morning. The Moisin is already singing. I'm waiting for Clara and Michael to go up north. Oh, here they are. Hey guys, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Good, it's Hello early. <laughs> Very early. Did you bring your coffee? Brought enough for everyone. <laughs> On one of the very first days after the second lockdown ended, I drove up north with Clara Fug and Michael Vivier, our production interns. Our destination was Vered de Galil, right. a small <laughs> farm perched on a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. On the way, we covered some very crucial topics. Wait, so you can watch Borat 2 from Israel? I thought it wasn't available here. I used a VPN. I think it's available on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime exclusive, I think. But can you get that here? Yeah, I have an account. Three hours later, we arrived. Okay, so here we are. Um, Michael, do you wanna do you wanna call Danielle? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Vered Galil was established in 1961 by Yona and Yuda Avni. It was meant to be a kind of local version of a dude ranch where cowboys and cowgirls would go horseback riding and pretend they were in Montana. She's not answering, so uh, she might be out riding. Okay, so should we go find the, uh, find the stables? Yeah. Yeah, let's go up there. Today it has lovely lodgings, a famous meat restaurant, and of course a large horse riding center. We were there to meet up with Daniel, the head trainer. And fittingly, we found her in the arena, galloping on her gorgeous black mare, Shadow. Hi, my name is Danielle Decknit. I'm 27 years old. I'm the main trainer in Verda Galil stable. Oded, Danielle's boyfriend, was standing off to the side holding up his phone. Yeah, my name is Oded Locker. I'm from Israel, of course, from Kibbutz Gevim originally. What is your role here now? I'm just doing what Danielle says. <laughs> yeah, I think I said it right. Okay. Okay. So you're up, you need to film now. Yeah, right now I'm going to film the... Okay. So can we stand next to you when you film? Yeah, sure, no problem. And why, you might ask, was Oded filming Daniel as she and Shadow completed a crazily intricate obstacle course which included jumping and balancing and turning sideways and walking backwards and all kinds of other maneuvers? Well... So in Israel we have a virtual competition now because we cannot everybody come with their horses and their people to one place because of the corona. So we do virtual show. Each rider films him or herself completing the exact same obstacle course, but in different arenas and stables and farms around the country. Then they all submit their home videos to a judge who determines the winner. That morning, Oded was shooting Daniel's submission for the 2020 Israel Championship. And you were just filming on your iPhone, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some people can have like a better uh, uh, cameras. So is there a lot of pressure to film this correctly? Are you afraid that Daniel would yell at you if you, uh, exactly. if you screw it up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you should uh, know how sad it is if you have the perfect one. And then I was like, I'm so sorry, my finger was on the camera. <laughs> Honestly, Odette is smart to be afraid. You see, the sport is called Extreme Cowboy, and Daniel reigns supreme. The last three years, 
She got an Israeli champion. Um, what's really special about uh, Danielle in this sport that she just started it four years ago as a, a non-pro rider, like for a hobby. And uh, she got really good in it. So she wanted to take it like level up and get more professional. Last year, she even flew to Texas to the world championship. I was compete in the world show in the international that it's against all people from the other world, Brittany, Australian, France, Belgia, everybody come to there. Danielle finished third. And Danielle, I see that you've really embraced the cowgirl uh, look. Uh, <laughs> What like what what are you wearing exactly? Uh, I have boots with spurs and jeans. I have butter down shirt. I have a, a belt. A belt with a buckle that I uh, win in the EXCA Shavuot show in Israel and hat. Danielle wouldn't say so, but she's definitely eyeing another championship buckle. Do you think that you're uh, going to win this year's uh, extreme competition? I hope, but we cannot uh, know. Oded was a bit more bullish. <laughs> I'm not the right person to ask, because if you ask me, she's always going to win. But they both know her chances are pretty good. After all, Danielle has a secret advantage. Shadow. This is Shadow. She's so uh, soft, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we did her uh, shampoo and conditioner uh, once a week. Uh, and she eat good. And uh, I brush her every day and shower every day. So she's very good health. The horses get corona, by the way? No. No? There. Okay. <laughs> she's an Israeli horse? She was yes. born here? Yeah, she's born here. She's like uh, the really Israeli horse. <laughs> what makes her a really Israeli horse? She combines different um, breeds in her and this is kind of like the Israeli uh, person, you know? Like no one here is like 100% uh, uh, American or 100% uh, Moroccan or something like that. Like, <laughs> And she with me like uh, 12 years and we have very special uh, connection. Shadow's ears perked up when we were talking about her. So Danielle went over, gave her a big hug and a giant treat. What was she eating? A carrot. <laughs> After training treat. Hey, I'm Ishi Harman, and this is Israel Story. Our episode today, Horsing Around. Over the next couple of episodes, we're going to tell the stories of two people whose lives barely intersect, or overlap. In many ways, they couldn't be more different. One's a man, the other a woman. One's a Jew, the other a Muslim. One's an Israeli settler, and the other is Palestinian. They don't know each other, and if they did, they might well think of the other as an enemy. But they both have at least one thing in common, and that one thing is their love of horses.
Like Daniel in Verde Galil, Abdel Nasser Muslev Kafar Akab dreams big. Every breeder, when he breeds his mare, he imagines like a world champion. He's 22 years old, still lives at home, and has a trim black beard and a boyish smile. I'm looking for always for the real Arabian horse. Wide forehead, big eyes, smooth nostrils, pretty face. People criticize me. They say we can't put a saddle on a pretty face. I don't care, you know. I like to see a good face. Abdel Nasser is a horse breeder, and he spends most of his time talking, dreaming, and breathing colts, fillies, mares, and stallions. Kafar Akab, where Abdel Nasser and his family live, is a Palestinian neighborhood just south of Ramallah. Even though it's cut off from the rest of Jerusalem by a wall and a checkpoint, it's considered part of the city. Because of that, Kafar Akab is sort of a strange no-man's land. On the one hand, it's part of Jerusalem, so it's supposedly serviced by the municipality. But on the other hand, it's on the Palestinian side of the separation barrier, so it really isn't. And the result is a lot of garbage everywhere, poor sanitation, overcrowding, and a lack of regulation. So when Abdel Nasser and his father Khadir decided to build stables on their property, no one told them they couldn't. Abdel Nasser! That's Abdel Nasser's mother, Nuha. As soon as Abdel Nasser was uh, mature enough to interact, talk, uh, uh, share, uh, love in a, in a visible way, his fascination with animal became visible as well. Mainly, I spend my time with my horses, more than my friends. When Abdel Nasser first started raising horses, his parents were actually worried. At the first, they said, this is bullshit. This, is, this doesn't make sense. You know, you're paying 3,000 shekels for a horse for a month. We didn't pay that for you, for school, you know. We're paying them now for the horses. They didn't believe their son's expensive new hobby would ever break even. I said, wait, just wait. I'm going to have a good money from these horses. I said, okay, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And for years, they all waited. But from those modest stables, Abdel Nasser is now reaching for a not-so-modest dream. I would love to be the best Arabian horse breeder in the world. Joel Shupak and Elise Coker, a filmmaker who made a beautiful documentary about Abdel Nasser, bring us the story of Abdel Nasser's Colts. For centuries, Arabian horses were bred for their stamina and strength. They were central to Arab and Bedouin life, and used for transportation, sports, and in warfare. Horsemanship is a sport that is held in high esteem by Arabs in general. It has been mentioned in the Quran. But today, they're mainly raised for a very different purpose. They're show horses. Abdel Nasser's entire life is centered around showing his horses at competitions, where they're judged on how closely they resemble the ideal Arabian horse of the past. He's done pretty well at these shows over the years. He's even won some trophies here and there. But so far, all the horses he's shown have been female, either young fillies or adult mares. And to be considered a serious breeder, Abdel Nasser is going to need something else. A male breeding horse, a stallion of his own. In March 2018, he made a crucial first step towards his dream when one of his mares gave birth to a baby colt. This is Kamal Al-Asaf. Kamal Al-Asaf. 
or Kamo for short. Kamelauslav means perfect. A thing uh, or a creature that has it all, that has everything. It's also the title of a song by a famous Egyptian singer. We love giving our horses the names of Abdel Halim Hafiz songs. To Abdel Nasser, Kamal was perfect. Russet brown with a pretty face and a white stripe down his forehead. And most importantly, he was his first colt. His first chance to raise a champion stallion. Two months later, on the very same day Elise began filming her documentary, Abdel Nasser's future got even brighter. His other mare also gave birth, another colt. The second colt was born in the afternoon, in the middle of the month of Ramadan. He was born really small. He's premature. He was dark brown, with a single splash of white just between the eyes, the size of a dog with long, wobbly legs. And if Abdel Nasser thought Kamal, his first colt, was perfect, well, as soon as he saw this new one. When I saw the face, I said, okay, this is my favorite horse ever, you know. I couldn't believe my eyes. He's really beautiful. His second colt was even more perfect. But right away, Abdel Nasser sensed that something was wrong. He was uh, moving in a strange manner, and the colt didn't breastfeed, you know. So that was a very bad sign. It was colic, which, without intervention, is often fatal. And in the West Bank, Veterinary care is harder to come by, especially during the month of Ramadan. So Abdel Nasser called Dr. Barak Amram, an Israeli vet from Ben Shemin. Uh, doctor, it looks like the court uh, has con- constipation. If it has constipation, you have to take it to the hospital. It's better. The best animal hospitals in the region are within Israel, on the other side of the checkpoint. Given Kufar Aqab's strange status of being technically part of Jerusalem, Abdel Nasser can, unlike most Palestinians, freely cross back and forth. But he could have easily been stuck at the checkpoint for hours in a long line of idling cars. It would have been crazy. It's a very stressing atmosphere for a, a sick young cult. I have heard about a story where a horse died at a checkpoint. If you want me to come, I can come, but I should take him to the hospital. Can you come, doctor? The doctor didn't hesitate. The only problem? He's not allowed to be here. Even though they've done this before, it's dangerous. He would risk his life to help us. and He doesn't think about anything else. Dr. Barak loads up his white van with medical gear and heads to the West Bank. It's dark when the doctor arrives. Abdel Nasser and Nuha wait in their car on the Palestinian side of the checkpoint. Hi, doctor. Yeah, yes, doctor. Uh, where are you exactly? You're outside? Where, where, where? where is he, Nuha asks. Abdel Nasser explains that the doctor is on the other side of the checkpoint. Can you come inside? Abdel Nasser and Nuha escort the doctor in, making sure he's safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm coming with you. I'll come with you. Elise, put the camera down. We don't want the doctor in any way to be upset. 20 minutes later, safely back at Abdel Nasser's home, I begin filming again. Dr. Barak puts on latex gloves and unloads a mobile IV unit and some syringes. Now, slowly, down on the cloth. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, perfect. You okay, Abdel Nasser? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Barak does whatever he can to treat the colic and gives the horse some fluids and medicine. He's like weak, but he wants to live. 
Then he delivers a clear prognosis. This is how it goes. If he, he doesn't take milk, he'll die. Yes, yes. If he yeah. takes milk, he lives. If this horse doesn't start nursing soon, he says, it's all over. But there's still hope. Okay, let's, let's go out, let's leave them. The mother will manage. Good boy, good boy. The Muslas invite Dr. Barak upstairs for some coffee. They sit together around a wooden dining table with an embroidered tablecloth. Nuha prepares a platter of Arabic sweets. From Syria. Soon the doctor will go back home, to his side of the wall. But for now, they're all here, sitting around the kitchen table. Here it's just small cups of Turkish coffee, a call to prayer from a nearby mosque, a Jewish doctor, a Muslim family, family and a baby horse who is weak but wants to live. No, no problem. I told you, if you want me to come, I come. You are a wizard. The next morning, Abdel Nasser, in a loose blue t-shirt and beach sandals, goes to check on the newborn. His mother joins him. He's hungry. Hungry, perhaps, but thankfully, alive. He's a little bit in pain, still. Much better than yesterday. The family has already chosen a name. Mawal Nahar. Mawal al-Nahar. It means prayer of the day. He's also named for an Abdul Halim Hafez song. Dr. Barak's late-night house call saved Mawal's life. With his two colts now healthy, Abdul Nasser can start thinking about the upcoming annual show. Mawal, the baby, is obviously too young to compete. But Abdel Nasser is planning on showing Kamal, his first cult. It's the main event of the year. It's the Egyptian event. Kamal is a special breed. He's what's called a straight Egyptian, descended from the finest Bedouin horses that were taken to Egypt back when the Ottomans controlled the region. It's where the best Egyptian horses compete. This will be Abdel Nasser's first chance to show off one of his new cults. And the stakes are high. A cult is a different thing. It's a, it's a bigger responsibility. Everyone's looking for cults to breed their mares to, so you never want to, to lose with your cult. Phillies, you can lose. So if she loses, she takes fifth or sixth. Okay, it's fine. She goes back home and you breed her. If a cult loses, he's never going to breed. He's never going to breed, trust me. The difference between a cult that wins and a cult that comes in, say, third, is huge. A winner is likely to become a valuable breeding stallion. If I want to breed to a good stallion, I would pay... If you have a good stallion, it's like you have a company. A loser, on the other hand, is just a horse. But it's not all about the money. It goes much deeper. A horse is a symbol of honor in our Islamic culture, in our Arabic culture. This is our horse. This is an Arabian horse. The horse came from here. Horses have retrieved for the Palestinian breeders the beauty of their culture and old civilization, the nobility that they have lost over the years. It's art mixed with history, you know. The Arabian horses are our history, you know. They, they created our history. So for Abdel Nasser, a lot's riding on his two young cults. Whenever Abdel Nasser isn't with his horses, he's helping out at the family business in nearby Ramallah. I'm working at my family's shop. They sell traditional rugs and lamps, jewelry, embroidered dresses, hand-painted ceramic bowls. It's a beautiful shop. But even here, in between customers, the talk is all about horses. 
When, when is the next show? The show is two months away. Kamal is growing nicely. And Nuha, well, she seems about ready to pin the medal on him herself. He's champion. He deserves gold. But Abdul Nasser knows there's still a lot of work to do. This baby horse knows nothing about being uh, handled, you know. Abdul Nasser doesn't have the space or the expertise to properly train and condition Kamal himself. So he sends him to a professional horse trainer in Israel. The trainer will make him get used to the basic things for a young baby, you know. We are concerned about fear, you know, for the cult, you know, just to be afraid from the ring, you know, from the noises and from everything. We build muscle, we work on the neck, we work on the body, everything, the concentration of the horse. So in late July, Abdel Nasser loads Kamal onto a trailer. He drives him across the checkpoint to a training center in Matzliach, a moshav near Rehovot. This kind of cross-border journey is actually pretty common. Most of my friends that I met through horses are outside of the checkpoint. They're Jewish and Israelis. The divisions you often see between Jews and Arabs, they aren't as present in the horse world. We don't feel the conflict. We don't feel the political situation. We heard this from a lot of other breeders, too, like Tzviah Idan, a Jewish breeder from Moshav Hayogev in the north of Israel. We know what peace is like because we coexist. Part of it is the nature of horse breeding itself. Many breeders, like Abdel Nasser, keep their horses on their property, basically living together with them. So when they want to see each other's horses, they have to visit each other's homes. We're in and out of each other's houses. People drop in here all the time. Suddenly I'll get a phone call. I'm at your gate. (laughs) That intimacy creates lasting connections. We buy breedings from each other. We train our horses together. Through the horses, we're living together. And indeed, at horse shows, you'll see the Arabs and the Jewish Israelis hugging each other, kissing each other, arms around each other, owning horses together, breeding horses together. People just forget about the conflicts and forget about the politics and get together for this uh, passion. Horses have transcended all barriers between Israelis and Palestinians. Egyptian horses in Israel, as I mentioned before, very special horses, is a source of world champions. It's September now. Kamal is six months old, and the much-anticipated Egyptian event has finally arrived. This show is really important. It's like the, the show that I always want to prove myself in. The show takes place just south of Nazareth, in a clearing at the end of a long dirt road. Picture a dusty derby ring with bleachers and big white tents that serve as makeshift stables. The horse owners, both Israelis and Palestinians, sit at shaded tables nearby and debate the intricate rules. There are five standards that we judge the horse on. First of all, how Arabian does this horse look? Second of all, the head and the neck. Abdul Nasser probably wouldn't like this description, but it's basically an equine beauty pageant. And the fifth and the final thing is the legs. And as for his own horse, Kamo, he's optimistic. The head looks amazing. The neck looks perfect. His color is a very good advantage. There are two rounds, a preliminary group round and then a final championship round. The horses are brought in one after the other and are paraded around the ring to the sound of a cheering crowd. They are then presented to a panel of three international judges, this year they're German, and awarded a score for the five characteristics, type, head and neck, body, movement, and legs. 20 points in each category is a perfect score. Finally, it's Kamal's turn. (laughs) 
Abdul Nasser is clearly nervous. This is the big stage. Kamal is brought in and gallops around the ring. The judges take notes, confer, and then the scores are announced. Type. 18 He's getting good marks, especially for his face, which to Abdel Nasser is the most important thing. 88.83 in total. 88.83 out of 100. Not great, but good enough for second place in his preliminary group. Still, the final championship round, where the top cults from each group are judged against each other, that's what matters. Anything can happen. Uh, a horse that got second can be a gold champion. There is still a chance that Abdel Nasser's cult could leap from his second place group finish to an overall gold medal. But the opposite could happen too. A horse that got second in its group could leave the show with nothing at all. Here we go. The top horses from each group are paraded in. The judges once again take notes and deliberate. And then, the moment of truth arrives. Campbell's name isn't mentioned. He got second place in his group, and um, he didn't win in the championship, I think. Abdel Nasser goes home, empty-handed. We'll be right back. And now, back to Abdel Nasser Musle, whose older cult, Kamel al-Awsaf, just returned home empty-handed from the annual horse show. This was obviously a blow for Abdel Nasser. After all, it was the first time he had shown a male horse at the competition, and the pressure was on. It's the wrong metaphor, I know. But a winning colt can be a real cash cow. Still, Abdel Nasser had many reasons to chin up. There would always be next year. And then he'd have not one, but two cults to bring to the show. Okay, back to Joel and Elise. Following the excitement of the competition, it was now back to the grind. The slow and often tedious work of feeding and caring for his horses. Since he was still a very young horse, Kamal would have another chance to prove himself next year. And by then, with any luck, Mawal, now four months old, would also be ready for the ring. But a few months after Abdel Nasser returned from the show, everything changed. I just come to the room and he's not eating. Going in circles in the room, you know, horses eat the whole time. So if they just are not eating, you know that they have something wrong. Once again, just like when he was born, Mawal al-Nahar was sick. It was an infection in the stomach and we had to take him to the hospital. I took him myself. That day, Abdel Nasser was supposed to be working at the family store. Instead, he loaded up Mawal, waited at the checkpoint, drove towards Tel Aviv, and left his cult at the veterinary hospital. He then turned around and headed back to the West Bank. You know, I went back to the shop, and they called me, and they told me he couldn't make it, and he died there. <sighs> this horse is like one of your children. Mawal Nasser was a very special call to us and uh, still lives inside us. He was a great one, really. And I, I just, I couldn't wait to show him, but he didn't make it. There's a lot of waiting in the life of a horse breeder. 
To begin with, when you breed your mare, there's a long pregnancy, almost a full year before you can even see the new horse. When you look at the baby, you know, and when you look at the horse you made, oh, wow, this is my idea, you know, this is what I wanted. This is what I imagined. Then you have to wait until they're old enough to be shown. There's not much to do with young horses, you know. Feed them good, that's all. And then, of course, there are long stretches of time between shows. With Mawal's death, all of Abdel Nasser's hopes now rested on Kamal. He had 10 long months to wait till the next Egyptian event. Enough time for doubts to creep in. Many people are breeding horses and they just don't get anything in shows, you know, or don't get the opportunity to sell the horses that they bought for a lot of money or they invested in. During some of the harder moments, he could even imagine abandoning his ambitions altogether and getting a normal job. If I think about, like, getting a job now in Jerusalem or in Ramallah, okay, I might go and spend six days a week. But those 10 months were also enough time to remember why he doesn't do that. Why, instead, he spends so much time and money on his horses. When I live here, when I live in Palestine, when I have my Arabian horse, this makes me feel that I'm, I'm sticking to my identity as an Arab and as a Palestinian. I give all of my effort now to my horses, you know. It's the thing that made me successful as a person. This is what makes me special. So I have to, to give everything to this passion and this hobby and this uh, business and those creatures. That conviction gets Abdel Nasser through a long winter, a warm spring, and a dry, hot summer. And then, once again, it's time for the annual show, for another chance to bring his cult into the ring, to prove that one day he could become the best Arabian horse breeder in the region. But for any of that to happen, first he needs to win. Winning in a show like, gives you a big push. Gives you, like, this is your destiny. This is what you're meant to do this. The 2019 Egyptian horse event is about to begin. Kamal al-Asaf is a year older. His body has filled out, and he's grown into a stunning horse. His coat is lighter now, almost a light ginger with dark patches around his eyes and muzzle. A proud and anxious Abdel Nasser stands beside Kamal. Yeah, I'm really nervous now. His whole family is here. Nuha, his mother, looks like she's dressed for the Kentucky Derby. She's wearing an enormous wide-brimmed floppy hat and a flowing dress, both the color of an orange creamsicle. This is a passion, this is a hobby that uh, transcends uh, just having a beautiful thing. It's more, it uh, becomes part of your life. It's a tough, tough, tough mission. But the returns are majestic. Now, Kamal is going in. Now he's going in. The next course goes to court number 33, Kamel Al-Awsaf. After the parading, the conferring, and the judging, the announcer reads off the scores for the preliminary group round. Type. Islim, chance of 80, chance of 80, 20, 19.5, 19.5. And the next goes with Saval. Islim, chance of 80, Islim, 20, 19.5, and 20. He's getting amazing scores. The total score, 91.17. This year, he's the clear winner of his group. But again, winning your group doesn't mean all that much. 
In the championship round, Kamel will face off against all the top Colts in the show. And they pick one gold champion? Let's uh, wait and see. Abdel Nasser patiently waits through more preliminary rounds. There are young fillies, old stallions, elegant mares, the pride of stables from all corners of Israel and the West Bank. Horses, they represent integrity, strength. They're chestnut brown, shimmering black, or majestic white, snorting and galloping around the ring. Beauty, gracefulness, sensitivity. Their curved faces, big eyes, and powerful bodies are a connection to an ancient past. The owners sit around folding tables with cigarettes, black coffee, and high hopes. Abdul Nasser is quiet, focused. It's uh, five minutes before the championship. Kamal El-Ossoff has a higher score than any of the Colts he'll be facing in the championship round. But Abdul Nasser isn't calm. Yeah, of course, because anything can happen, you know. The Colts are brought in, and the judges make their decisions. This is it. The announcer takes his mic and starts with the bronze medal. Then, the silver. And then, the gold, champion gold. He starts playing a song. A song by Abdel Halim Hafez. Can you hear what the name is? He asks the crowd. The years of monotonous hard work, of countless expenses, and of sheer luck in breeding this horse to that horse have led to this moment. Abdul Nasser's colt is a champion. It was the best day in my life, my whole life. So after the show, I got a lot of offers, like a lot of offers, maybe 15 offers, trust me, for this cult. Offers for sale and breeding. Most of them were local, but I'm, I'm getting now offers from uh, Kuwait, Qatar, uh, Belgium. You know, that's the next stage in my breeding career. That's never happened before. Look, when your stallion has daughters and sons all over the world, this is when you know you're a great breeder. When you feel like everyone needs your horses, wants to breed from your horses, and wants to buy from your fillies or mares, this is when you know you're the best breeder in the world. He's not there yet, of course. Kamal isn't even ready to breed. But Abdul Nasser and his prize cult are already links in a chain, a chain that goes back thousands of years to when horses and humans first learned how to live together, a chain that binds countless women and men Arabs and Jews, Bedouins and Egyptians, and others all around the world who have worked to create and preserve this ancient breed. But Abdel Nasser isn't actually thinking about the past. Right now, all he cares about is the future. See, his champion cult, Kamal, well, he has a new brother. This one, we, we still didn't name him. We're thinking about uh, names now because he's a special one, so you should be careful with the name. Meanwhile, this nameless colt trots around the small sand ring in the backyard of the Musla's family home in Kufaraka. I think he's, he's even prettier than his brother. And as Abdel Nasser watches on, he's already dreaming of tomorrow. Joel Shupak, 
and Elise Coker. We use clips from Elise's gorgeous film, Stallions of Palestine, from Topic Films. You can watch the full documentary on YouTube, and we'll also link to it on our site, israelstory.org. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Hello. Hey, Daniel, it's Mishi. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good, good. Daniel, so I'm calling to ask, uh, what, what happened? What were the results? Uh, the results was, uh, this time we don't win. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What? I'm sorry to hear that. Ah, it's okay. In the sport, sometimes you win and sometimes you don't win. <laughs> Lose. <laughs> and, and how are you feeling? Are you uh, are you disappointed? Uh, I'm not uh, disappointed. I think we need uh, to work harder and uh, don't uh, feel that we can do everything and be in the top all the time, uh, but we have uh, our uh, way, and uh, hopefully next year it will be our year. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yalla. Toda, toda, Daniel. Toda. Yalla, bye, laila tov. Bye, laila tov. Joel Shupak scored this episode with music by William Ryan Fritch and Blue Dot Sessions. As always, Sela Weissblum mixed it all up. Thanks to Esther Werdiger, who creates the beautiful artwork for our episodes, to Wayne Hoffman, Sheila Lambert, Erica Frederick, Jeff Fagan, and Joy Levitt. If you're one of the many new Israel Story listeners, first of all, welcome. And secondly, we hope you go back and listen to all our previous episodes. You can also follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all under Israel Story. And while you're at it, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. All you have to do is go to israelstory.org newsletter. Israel Story is produced in partnership with Tablet Magazine. Our staff is Yochai Meital, Zev Levi, Joel Shupak, Yoshi Field, Skyler Inman, Sharon Rappaport, and Rotem Tzin. Jeff Umbro from The Podglomerate is our marketing director. Marie Ruder, Clara Fug, Michael Vivier, and Alicia Vergara are our wonderful production interns. I'm Ishi Harman, and we'll be back next time with a very different kind of horse-related tale. And he's suddenly like, you, you don't think as a Christian at all. You think like a Jew. Till then, stay safe. Shalom, shalom. And yalla bye.